Today's episode is called The Problem with Sin and Can Someone Change? Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. This is a discussion I had recently with someone who was trying to figure out if someone's change was genuine. You know, when somebody has really hurt you badly in some way, and maybe a month or two pass, or maybe a year or two passes, and that person comes to you and they're like, oh, I am different now. I'm not at all the same person I was. And you're trying to figure out, uh, I mean, of course you're going to forgive them. As Christians, that's what we do. But then there's the question of, do you let them back into your life in the same capacity? Is their repentance genuine? Has has change occurred? Have they really become someone different? And so that led me to really think about this and actually dig into it a little bit, just even for myself, so I knew better how to answer that question. And I'm really excited about the things that I found. So I really wish that we'd talk about sin more. We tend to shy away from it. We don't really want to talk about the subject, but that doesn't help. Because if we're honest, it's something we have to deal with every single day. We like to talk about and we even focus on the consequences of our sin without realizing that it is sin that's at the root of why we're upset or why we're annoyed or what's going on. So for instance, you know, if you're complaining because uh, someone in your family is selfish or you have a coworker who's impulsive and always doing something that affects all the rest of you, that's sin, right? Or someone's impatient with you or you're impatient with someone else and that causes you to be frustrated because they're not you and they don't think as quickly as you. That's sin. Or someone in your life overspends and they don't have the money to pay their bills and they're constantly complaining that there's just not enough money. And every month you go through the exact same discussion. I don't have enough money to pay the bills. Yeah, but didn't you just buy a new car? I don't have enough money to pay the bills. I know, but didn't you just go on vacation? I don't have enough money to pay the bills, etc., etc., etc. Or you or someone else overindulges in food or alcohol or overconsumes. And so there's the fallout of that. You either, you know, don't feel well enough to want to do anything the next day, or your weight's gotten so that you can't help with certain activities, or because you keep bringing more and more and more home, your house looks a little cluttered, or you're not as confident letting people in. I mean, it all ties together, right? So that we end up feeling the consequences of sin without a lot of times acknowledging what that sin is. And here's part of the problem. We see sin in others, but we can't see it in ourselves. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And I think the answer to that is because I'm looking at my brother so I can see his plank. It's a little bit harder to look at myself because if I'm looking at him, I'm seeing what's in his eye. 
without seeing what's in mine. So James said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. We have to start looking in the mirror so that we can see our plank, right? Instead of being so annoyed by the speck in someone else's eye, we got to start looking in the mirror. And what is that mirror? It's the word right? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So the question is, can a person change? And the resounding answer is yes, 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 and yes. We see that in the Apostle Paul, who went from being murderous and tracking down Christians to giving his life in pursuit of telling people the gospel. Peter went from being impulsive and and always making rash decisions to being a solid leader in the Christian church. Matthew left his tax collector's booth. Zacchaeus also quit being a tax collector, or at the very least, even if he remained a tax collector, he paid people back for what he cheated them. Um, The woman at the well, she turned. As soon as she met Jesus, she was changed. So yes, change can occur. What does it take? I'm going to tell you three things, three ways, three attributes, should we say, that you can see in someone that shows that change has occurred. Number one, a person has to have some degree of of self-awareness. We have to become aware of the sin in our life in order to confess it and to do differently and to be different. So again, going back to what Jesus said, you know, you're concentrating on the speck in someone else's eye and you're paying no attention to the plank in your eye. If you are not self-aware of what you are doing that is causing consequences for someone else, there's no reason for you to repent and to change. So first, You have to be aware of what you're doing wrong. In Psalm 139, we read, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, I can't tell you. um, If you pray that prayer and if you keep your eyes open, God will show you. He, he doesn't try to hide from you what you can change to be a better wife, mother, son, daughter, to be a better uh, parishioner, to be a better neighbor, to be a better friend. When you pray, Lord, search me, you, you know me, you know my heart, you know my thoughts, you know my motives. For some reason, I have a hard time seeing those things. So could you search me and can you show me? And can you lead me? And then when you keep your eyes open, if you're self-aware, God will show you. So when someone calls you out, when there's a disagreement, when someone says to you, you know, you always act as if you're right. Or this really bothers me that once again, here we are. And you know why? Because you are doing A, B, C, D, E. Instead of becoming immediately defensive, Just stop and listen. Ask yourself, how did I contribute to this situation? What am I doing to fuel this fire? How 
could I do better? How could I respond differently so we don't end up here again? If you're praying that prayer, and if you're keeping your eyes, your ears open, you will see your sin. It will be pointed out. And then you will know your sin so that you can deal with it. But first you have to be aware of it. If you're not even aware of your sin, then how are you going to deal with it? How are you going to change? And let me tell you something. Gary Chapman, the author of uh, Five Love Languages, I went to a talk he did once and he talked about how in marriage counseling, very often the first day of counseling, he will ask the spouses to write down all the things that their spouse does to contribute to the breakup of the marriage. And people go crazy. They make this super long list to fill a whole page up. Then the next time they come back, he says, now write down what you have done to contribute to the breakup of the marriage. And he said, rarely can anybody list more than three things. Do you see how lopsided that is? We are really crappy at identifying our own sin. And there's no way we can change that if we don't know what we are doing wrong, and if we're not open to listening to what we're doing wrong. So I'm going to just throw this out here, and I'll leave it where it is. If you are super brave, and if you know that you have some improvement to do, ask some of the people around you, show me my sins. What am I doing that offends you? How could I be a better Christian? How could I be a better spouse? How could I be a better parent? And you have to have a whole lot of humility. And you got to ask God for the strength. But if you do that, I guarantee you, those closest to you do not have to think long and hard. (laughs) It is on the tip of their tongue. And they more than likely are saying, man, I've been waiting for a long time to tell you. This really, really bothers me when you do this. Okay, so number two, you have to repent. So once you're aware of what's going on, you need to repent. And the word repent means to turn. So think of if you are going down a one-way, the wrong way. So you're driving the wrong way on a one-way street. What are you going to do? As soon as you figure out that you're going the wrong way, what are you going to do? You're going to take the first turn to get off of that because you don't want to be going the wrong way on a one-way street. Same thing here. As soon as you know that there's a sin in your life, that there's sin that's affecting the people around you, you are going to want to repent. You're going to want to turn around. You're going to want to choose differently. William Barclay said, repentance involves two things. It involves sorrow for what we have been, and it involves a resolve that by the grace of God, we will change. So we're going to talk about that, sorrow. Sorrow means that you actually feel bad about it. That means you're not justifying it. You're not saying, well, if you hadn't done that, then of course I wouldn't have lost my temper. It means you don't minimize it. So when someone points out to you that you're doing something that really offends them or hurts their feelings or causes distress in their life, you're not going, oh, that's so petty. Get over it. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I put up with this that you do. Don't don't minimize it. If they're courageous enough to tell you 
and to point out your sin. Listen. And if you have the attitude of, you know, it's not me, it's them, then you're going to keep right on going down that wrong way. You're going to blame others. No, it's their problem. And again, that goes right back to what Jesus is saying. You know, boy, it's so easy to see the speck in someone else's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own. Proverbs 14.4 says, Fools mock at making amends for sin. Fools. We do not want to be fools, stuck in our own way and unwilling to listen and learn and change and turn. And that is going to require sorrow, feeling bad, acknowledging we did something wrong and actually letting our conscience do the work it's meant to do. Okay, so where does this lead us then? So part of this repentance, we're still on number two, was sorrow. And number, um, I'm going to go to number three. The other part of repentance is actually a resolve to change. That's determining, deciding that you are not going to keep on the same path. This is going to require listening. Proverbs 15, 5b says, whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Prudence is the ability to govern or discipline oneself, to have self-control. This, again, is a fruit of the Spirit. And how do we get the fruit of the Spirit? It comes from reading the Bible, from being in the Word. The Holy Spirit works through the Word and the sacraments. The sacraments are baptism and Holy Communion. When we're in the Word, when we're going to church, when we're letting the Holy Spirit do His work, we are going to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. And that is going to help us in our resolve to change, to do something different. Now, how else can we get that fruit of the Spirit? How else can we grow in Christian living? Well, I'm going to give you four ways that we can grow in Christian living. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. These aren't going to be anything new to you if you've listened to this podcast at all. Number one, listen to sermons. There are so many great sermons out there. And these things, these sermons take the word of God. So the pastors, trained pastors are talking about the word of God. They're applying it to your life. So I'm going to lead you to Pastor Mike from Time of Grace. We have tons of um, sermons available on the Time of Grace website, the podcast that Pastor Mike has. Go to those. Listen to those. Go back and listen to them again. Pick a topic that is something that you're struggling with, that you're dealing with, and let Pastor Mike lead you to the Word. Go to your own pastor, actually, too. A lot of pastors have sermons. Uh, A lot of churches have their websites, and they have archived sermons. And go to your pastor or a pastor that you used to have at your church. That's one of the things that I like to do just you know, to sort of help me in my devotion time, I listened to several of the pastors that I used to work with, learning from them and learning from the word. Uh, Number two, podcasts. They're more like a Christian living. How do I get through this? How do I make better decisions? Um, Take this versus, you know, just being in the word. And tons of good podcasts out there. I have um, CL Whiteside, uh, the Non-Microwave Truth, 
Rhoda Woolley's uh, Five to Thrive are two of my favorites. I love Revive Our Hearts with Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth. Those are some of my go-tos. I'm sure you have some too. Number three, Christian books, books on Christian living. I'm right now reading the book Contenders by Mark Newman. I have a list of books that I am just waiting to read. And so many of these books, you know, teach you such valuable truths about how to get through the day-to-day. How do you use this in order to get to this point in your life? And it's just godly Christian people who are pointing out the lessons that they've learned, and they're trying to teach us a better way. And then number four, Christian fellowship. It is, you cannot underestimate the importance of being in fellowship with other Christians. The Acts 2 church, they fellowship daily. They ate, they prayed together. That's so, so much how we learn from other Christians as you talk about what you're reading and how are you in the word. And as you're doing these things, they are pushing you to be better and to do better. And they are telling you how they are getting through their difficult times and how they are looking at their sin and struggling through it and working to overcome it. And they can teach us a better way, a different way, especially sometimes when we're stuck. I, for years, have been so blessed by the fact that I have several godly Christian parents who walk beside me, and they have children that are just a little bit older than my children, just enough that they are always there with advice. This is how I did this, or this is how we dealt with this, or this is something you might consider. It has been such a blessing to me to have godly Christian parents who are just a little bit ahead of me in the journey to help me and and teach me and encourage me and show me. And of course, the flip side of that is that I need to have parents who have younger children who are behind me just a little bit so that I can encourage and so that I can tell them this is what really worked for me and have you thought about this and oh, I will pray for you. I remember those days. It's so, so very important. The Apostle Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And we're talking about Christians. This whole podcast, we've talked about Christians. So to know if true change has taken place, does the person acknowledge their sin? Are they sorry for it? And have they resolved to do differently? Now, I'm going to very briefly talk about what about the non-Christian. Can change happen in non-Christians? Yes. Yes. If they're disciplined. So discipline is sort of the idea of being rewarded for good behavior and feeling the consequences or the punishment of bad behavior and, and allowing that chastisement to change you. That's how, you know, you hear about these stories, these very dramatic stories about how some uh, someone was driving drunk and they killed somebody and they went to prison and they got clean and they decided they'd never do that and they turned over a new leaf and they've now they're good um, members of society who are blessing many people and that type of thing. So change can occur in unbelievers. Uh, The only difference is (laughs) that you have a little bit extra motivation. You have a whole lot more strength. You have a whole lot more help if you're doing it as a Christian. And you're doing it not just because you don't want to experience the consequence of your sin, but because you're truly sorry for your sin. 
in that you know that there's a God who loves you, that Jesus came to die for your sin. So it's a very different thing in non-believers and in believers. And you have to be aware. You just have to be aware. Look at the people who you're um, trying to figure out if they've really changed or not. Examine them. Examine their motives. What is their end game? Are they trying to convince you that they have changed so that you'll be back in their life? Or is there true change, whether you're in their life or not? That tells a lot. Hopefully this has been helpful. I know it has been super helpful to me. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Hey, guess what? Those teaching videos you've come to love from Time of Grace are available in podcast form. If you're gone a week or you want to hear the lessons all at once, or if you just want to concentrate on the teaching, check out Grace Talk's daily devotionals anywhere you listen to podcasts. You may think you are just one person, but trust me when I say each person's prayers are heard and each person's support matters. We appreciate each and every one of you. If you haven't yet, please take the time to rate and review Little Things today and share it with others. Thank you and God bless.